Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I am proud to announce that Food Pharmacy, one of the biggest health brands in Sweden, is now launching its highly acclaimed blog as well as books and podcasts in English. Food Pharmacy is eager to take its award-winning Scandinavian concept and share it with the rest of the world and to contribute to the fight against the global burden of lifestyle-related diseases. In 2014, Lina Nertby and Mia Klasa started Food Pharmacy, embarking on a long, sometimes meandering, often magical journey towards their goal of improving public health. Along the way, they've spoken with a variety of experts and professionals in various fields related to health and lifestyle. In this podcast series, you'll meet a few of them. Be a part of the journey. This is The Food Pharmacy Show. Welcome to the Food Pharmacy Show, Mia. Thank you so much, Lina. Today, it is all about hormones. Yay! I must admit, though, I haven't spent much time thinking about hormones at all. Actually, it was only thanks to our integrative functional medicine doctor that I took a hormone test. Or rather, we did, Lina, since you took the same test. However, if it wasn't for him suggesting it, I would never have taken a hormone test. No, you wouldn't? No, I mean, you are not offered a hormone test by the healthcare system in Sweden. And since I experienced no problems, I can't see how I would have taken it. Anyhow, I am so very grateful that I took the test. Because what they found, among other things, was that I didn't metabolize my estrogen very well. And it was going down a so-called dangerous pathway. Thanks to finding out in time, I could myself affect this. And through the right supplement, get the estrogen metabolized more efficiently. And that is just amazing, isn't it? It is. I think we need to tell the story how you actually, after less than a year, was tested again and then found out that you no longer had problems to metabolize the estrogen. You know what, Lina? It wasn't even close to a year. We are talking about six months. Wow. And you already know this, Lina, but considering my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 40, I have all my life been scared of breast cancer. And when finding out my body didn't metabolize estrogen the right way, I first got scared. But then when I understood I could actually do something about it, I felt so very grateful for finding out in time. That's a true blessing. It is. Well, today you will learn 
everything about hormones. And then I'm not only talking about testosterone and estrogen. Did you know that we have more than 60 hormones in our bodies? I knew we had for sure more than just testosterone and estrogen, but I actually had no clue that we had that many, to be honest. Did you know that men also, in a way, go through menopause? Now you're kidding, right? No, I'm actually not. And just one more thing. Did you know that as you should check up on your cholesterol, your blood sugar and your blood pressure every year, you should also check up on your hormones? I had no clue. But to be fair, far from everyone check up on their blood sugar, cholesterol, etc. But okay, I get the point. Hormones are vital for our well-being. They indeed are, and that's both mental and physical. In today's podcast, we meet with Dr. Carrie Jones. She describes herself as a modern doctor with a holistic bent who can appreciate the best of both worlds. Dr. Carrie Jones is a naturopathic physician who is board certified in naturopathic endocrinology with a master's in public health. She is a former adjunct faculty member at the National University of Natural Medicine and has taught courses in both gynecology and advanced endocrinology. She has been a medical director for two large clinics in Portland, Oregon, and currently she is the medical director for Precision Analytical, who are creators of the most cutting-edge hormone test on the market, the Dutch test. Yes, and that is the test we have taken, both of us. Actually, twice now. Dr. Carrie Jones lectures all over the world on the topic of hormones and consult with the most amazing healthcare practitioners on the hormone status of their patients. It is now time for Dr. Jones to enter the scene. But first, I would like to read how this successful woman describes herself. Okay, listen up now, Lina. I was born in the north, raised in the south, and have lived the last 21 years in the Pacific Northwest. I am a quick-witted, swear-word-loving, red-headed, natural hair color, Gemini. I'm married to the love of my life, who is a retired officer in the U.S. Army, who owns his own business. Our dog, Hank, basically runs our lives. Understanding adrenal and sex hormones are complicated. My job is not to judge. My job is to educate and empower. And Lena, isn't that just a brilliant description? It truly is. Carrie Jones, I would like to welcome you to the Food Pharmacy Show. I'm so honored to have you here. Thank welcome. you so much. I was was really excited to get your invitation. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. You are very well known in the States, but could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into hormones and women's health from the very beginning? Yeah, and actually it's really from the very beginning. I knew I wanted to be a women's health doctor since I was a little girl. And I went to medical school in the United States. I went to what's called naturopathic medical school. So it focuses more on functional medicine and 
holistic medicine as opposed to conventional medicine. And I did my residency in women's health and hormones. I got my master's in public health so I could do more international work. And now I work as the medical director for a really large hormone lab here in the United States. And hormones is all I know. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. all I do. So I hope it's the, the only questions you ask me. <laughs> so then you're the perfect person I have now yeah. because I only have questions about <laughs> hormones. Uh, uh, food pharmacy is known for promoting gut health and prevent inflammation. And as I have understood, our gut health is directly linked to our hormones. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything from how we make hormones to a little bit, our microbiome can make hormones, to how we recycle our hormones. When you are done with a hormone, it goes through the liver and then through the gut. And if your gut is inflamed and unhealthy, you can actually recirculate hormones like estrogen when you actually mean to get rid of them. And so an unhealthy gut can actually lead to unhealthy hormones. Oh, wow. So let's take it from the beginning. Um, how common is it with hormone imbalances? I would say it's extremely common. And it's extremely common because we have so many hormones. So when women talk about feeling hormonal, they tend to mean the hormones estrogen and progesterone that come out of our ovaries. But we have thyroid hormone. We have adrenal hormone, which are cortisol an epinephrine or adrenaline. We have blood sugar hormones, glucose, insulin. So we have all these hormones. And if they are not doing what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, then we as humans don't feel good. We're either tired. We feel PMS. We can't get pregnant. We're not motivated. We gain weight. Our periods are really heavy or painful. We lose hair. We get skin conditions. And so hormones can really affect a lot. Hmm. So um, interesting. I mean, is it uh, so that just by having a disruption in your microbiome or like a dysbiosis, you could get like um, a hormone imbalance causing yeah. acne? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I get asked a lot from practitioners. They'll say to me, where should I start to fix the hormones? And I always say, go to the gut. You have to start with the gut first and then work backwards. Because if you start with the hormones and don't address the gut, then you'll, you'll, it'll, you'll never improve. Yeah. You have to start with the gut. So, I mean, you mentioned a few common symptoms of hormone imbalances, but what are the most common symptoms for people that come to your clinic? It would, depends on their age. So if they are cycling, they still get a period. So if they're younger, I would say fatigue. I, I'm tired. I can't sleep. I'm gaining weight. Um, and a, a lot of uh, period-related symptoms. My periods are heavy. My periods are regular. Um, I'm moody. I have PMS. Those are probably the top symptoms. As women get older and go through perimenopause and menopause, then it switches. Then they say, I'm more anxious. I'm more depressed. I'm still gaining weight. Um, I have hot flashes and night sweats, brain fog. So it, it sort of changes as, as women get older. And men, absolutely, 100% can have hormonal problems as well. They may not like to admit it, but they have them. 
Mm. I mean, I've never actually heard of men talking about hormonal imbalances. They don't. Because men don't cycle, they don't realize that the symptoms they feel can be related to hormones. When men are tired, when men are moody, when men can't sleep, when men gain that, that belly in the front, when they get breast development, when they have low libido, all of that is hormonally related. Mm. They may I, not talk about it, but it's true. I actually uh, heard not long ago that men also go through menopause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they, I, I believe they do. <laughs> yeah, but during yeah. a longer period of time than women. Yes, yes. Men's testosterone has been declining for, uh, unfortunately, for many years now. And a man's testosterone can decline actually starting at a young age. A lot of environmental factors, alcohol, medication, stress, lack of sleep can reduce testosterone. But as men age, all of that gets bigger and faster and worse. And they experience low testosterone and they sort of experience their own form of menopause. Some people call it manopause. Some people call it andropause because those hormones are known as androgens. But yes, and, and any woman who, who, you know, is around, has a man in their life can probably say, yes, my, my man gets hormonal. <laughs> okay, I'm divorced. So this is why this was new to me. <laughs> yes, yeah. So why do we get hormonal imbalances? Is it lifestyle or is it genetic? Um, so as you know, you are born with your genetics, but it's your lifestyle choices and the chemicals and everything around us that are, that influence it. So I believe we get hormone imbalance a hundred percent, 99% from lifestyle, lifestyle and exposure, chemical exposure. So what we eat, what we drink, the air we breathe in, the chemicals that we get exposed to, how we sleep, how we nurture our relationships, how we take care of ourselves. I think all of that is what influences our hormones. And I say this because you can have a you can have a gene that slows down your estrogen detoxification, but if you're doing all the right things in your lifestyle, it may not affect you. The gene may not cause estrogen problems. Whereas you may be another woman who doesn't have that gene, your gene is fine, but all the lifestyle chemical things are actually slowing your gene down. And mm. so it does cause problems with your estrogen detoxification. So genes are important, but it's way more important to me what you're doing, what you're taking, what you're eating, what you're exposed to, how you handle stress, all those things. Mm. Sometimes you hear, there is nothing I can do. My genetic yeah. is not so good. And uh, you say that this is not right at all. There's a lot no. of things you can do. Mm. I agree. Yeah. I think there's a lot you can do. Obviously there are some genetic conditions that, you know, there's, they're, that are serious and, and you can't do a lot about them, but there are a lot of genes that you can modify with diet and lifestyle changes, avoiding right. environmental exposure, chemicals and things like that, cleaning up the gut microbiome. It's, it sounds too simple, but I see it every day all the time with, with women and men. Mm. Could you could you give a, a concrete example of how knowing your genetic might help you to uh, improve uh, hormonal imbalances that could come in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a really good example with estrogen. You know, a lot of women are concerned about estrogen because they don't want breast cancer. 
So there are in estrogen detoxification, there is a, um, what's called a SNP, which is just, you know, part of your genetic. And it will, if you have the mutation, it will push your estrogen down what's known as a more cancerous pathway. So if you have this SNP called the CYP1B1, just the name, 1B1, you are potentially at a higher risk for going down the cancer pathway. So if I know this about you, then I'm going to be doing a lot with you as my patient to get you off that pathway, to block that pathway with diet, supplements, lifestyle choices, because I don't want you to go down that cancerous pathway when it comes to estrogen. After that pathway, because there's a part two, there's a different SNP. It's called COMT or COMPT. It's very um, common. You see it a lot on social media. There are books written about it now, a lot of articles written about it. If your COMT is slow, then you will have a slow estrogen detoxification, which means more estrogen floats around your body. So now you become heavier periods, more PMS, um, more moody, more weight gain, right? More, 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 which women don't want, men don't want. If I know this about you, I can add things in to help improve your phase two estrogen detoxification. I mean, sometimes knowing the SNPs is so helpful. That's so fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think that testing your, I mean, I understand why testing your hormones is uh, very important if you suffer from any of these symptoms, but would you say that testing your hormones would be good for anyone, even though you don't have any symptoms? So I generally recommend um, that men and women at least get some hormones tested once a year so that if changes start to happen, as they get older or go through a big stress or get sick or something that they can see where their baseline was with no symptoms and where they are now. So it's just like, it's just like testing cholesterol or blood sugar, you know, like you do it starting younger. So you can watch for trends. Are you going up? Are you going down? Are you staying the same? And it's the same with hormones. So I recommend generally once a year. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. Before uh, before I uh, scheduled this interview, I actually took a test that I know you have the results for. <laughs> and um, and you say then that I should repeat this test in a year. Yes. And especially, I don't want to give your age away, but especially as women um, age It's gracefully. okay. I am 42. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm the same age. Oh, nice. So, yep. So as women get into perimenopause and menopause, I want to see where they were. And I'm trying to see where they're headed because that's a huge shift for women to go from having regular periods, hopefully having health, healthy hormone levels to all of a sudden irregular cycles or menopausal, no periods. And all the hormones drop. All the hormones just fall, which is... Um, what happens in menopause. And so if I can see where you were before and I can see, you know, where you are as you get older, that can be helpful as far as treatment, lifestyle suggestions. Especially if you say to me, well, in 2020, I felt really pretty good. And then in two, two, like say uh, 2024, you're like, I'm having hot flashes and night sweats and I can't sleep. And what's this? I can look and I can go, well, you were here. And now you're here, like you've fallen quite a bit and we need to help support that. 
Mm. I am so sad I didn't meet you like uh, 25 or 30 years ago because you know what? I've been going around my whole life and I've had extremely heavy periods, like mm. extremely. And uh, I've, uh, the first day of my period, I've had like an enormous pain, almost like I can't leave the house because I bleed so much and it, it hurts so much. And I, I've had so many different gy- gynecologists, but no one has been able to help me. Right. It's really unfortunate and it's really common. It's really common that it gets, it gets women's health often is blown off, you know, like, Oh, that's normal. Cramps are normal. No Mm. cramps are common. They're not normal. Mm. You know, I bleed so heavy. I can't leave the house. Yeah, that's normal. No, it's common. It's not normal. Women should not bleed so heavy that they can't leave the house. But because it's common, lots of women experience it. Lots of women go to their gynecologist and say, I have these symptoms. After a while, what I find is gynecologist GPs will say, oh yeah, that's common. That's, that's what happens when you're a woman. No, that's, it's, it's, that's imbalance. Something's wrong. Mm. So getting back to the lifestyle, I have a question because I read that women who lived an unhealthy life actually tend to have a heavier menopause. Is that true? They can. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They can be a much worse menopause with an unhealthy life. I tell women if they're the ideal time to prepare for menopause is in their thirties. And if you're in your forties and not there yet, now is the time. Because how you took care of your body when you were younger, I often find is how smooth or not smooth your menopause will be. Mm. But I mean, let's say you didn't take care uh, and you lived a very bad lifestyle. I think Mm -hmm. many people do when they are young because they take their health for granted Mm -hmm. uh, and they get a very heavy menopause. Are there still, is it too late or are there still many lifestyles? No, no, no. Oh yeah. There's, it's not too late. It's never too late. It's just not as uh, easy. <laughs> no, it, just, it does require some more work. Um, but it is, it's never too late now. Mm. So in our part of the world, it is common to just treat one symptom, mm. but like when working with identifying and treating hormonal imbalances, you stress the importance of looking at the whole picture to see how these hormones communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do these uh, hormones interact with each other? (laughs) They're best friends. They talk all day long. Yeah, the the thyroid hormone talks to the cortisol, talks to the estrogen and progesterone, talks to the testosterone. I don't think women realize, a lot of women don't realize that to make estrogen, as a woman, to make estrogen, it comes from testosterone. So we make as women, we make testosterone first, and then it magically forms into estrogen. And then those two hormones, those the cells that make those hormones are what morph, magically morph into the cells that make progesterone. And so it's all very related. I can't, I can't get you to make progesterone without improving the cell that makes testosterone and improving the cell that makes estrogen. It's, it's all very, very related. And I can't, I can't address your thyroid without looking at your cortisol and your stress and the the brain adrenal um, communication because that really impacts your thyroid. I can't look at your cortisol, your stress, 
without looking at your blood sugar, your glucose, because your cortisol, your stress hormone, one of your stress hormones, its main job in life is to help you manage blood sugar. That's its main job. We call it a stress hormone and it is, but its first primary job is to help you manage your blood sugar. So if you're not managing your blood sugar, if you go from hungry to hangry, (laughs) hungry and angry, right? Or you're eating lots of sugar, you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, you're going to struggle with cortisol and vice versa. So I can never just look at you and say, blood sugar, that's all we're going to focus on today because it's so much bigger than that. I can never look at you and say, oh, you have a thyroid problem. I'm just going to put you on thyroid medication. The thyroid affects your ovaries. The thyroid affects your adrenals. The thyroid affects your pancreas. It affects your thyroid cell receptors, thyroid receptors on every cell in your body. So if I just affect one thing, it's a huge domino effect downstream. You have to look at the whole body. Mm. So talking about cortisol, I found in my results that I, uh, from the test I took now that my awakening response, uh, my cortisol levels in the morning are very mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. Why is that not good? So I thought you were going to say, what is that? I was say oh, well, yeah, why is it? What can I do? I mean, uh, everything. I just want yeah, to know. know. We know why, right? It's probably stress. Um, so the awakening response let me, let me, let me back up. So you have, you have a stress response where the body makes epinephrine, norepinephrine, which is adrenaline and then in cortisol. So, but in the morning, your cortisol is to go up in the first 30 minutes of you opening your eyes, your cortisol goes up really high, not as high as your results, but high. And Mm -hmm. so, and then, and that is for multiple things. It's to help you become alert. It's to help you reduce inflammation. It's to help the fact that you have just gone all night long and not eaten. So it helps with your blood sugar. It helps reduce autoimmune. It helps so many things. But if you rise too much, then that tells me that you have, your body perceives lots of stress or threat or um, anxiety or uh, to do, lots to do that day, anticipatory stress. And so it goes up way high to try to support you. It's like, oh, She woke up this morning, really stressed out and ready to go, and it will drive the cortisol up. So it's a normal response to how you feel and how you wake up in the morning, most of the time. But you don't want it to go on for a long time because you don't want cortisol to be high all the time. Too much cortisol over time can be damaging to the tissues of the body. We want it high when it needs to be, and then we want it to come back down. Do your job. And then, and then go and then come back down. Mm. And so that's why I like testing cortisol. So I can see, do you have a healthy rhythm or are you experiencing a lot of stress and your cortisol is high or are you super tired and burned out and your cortisol is low? I mean, talking about stress, women our age, they often live very stressful lives today because you work, many have children, you might be in a bad relationship, 
and um, uh, you have parents that you need to start taking care of mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's so hard to say to someone, like, if I feel stressed in the morning, I know exactly why I do, because the children <laughs> need to get up from bed, yeah. go to school, the dog, dog needs to be walked, you know, all these things. The work mm-hmm. starts to send text messages and mm-hmm. uh, and that could easily be fixed, I realize. I mean, not to use your mobile phone, for example, but, but what kind of recommendations would you give to someone who have high levels of cortisol, too high levels? It actually starts the night before. So it actually starts with how you sleep. It actually starts with what you do before you go to bed. Um, And it it starts with how you take care of yourself in the day. So I tell people to, you. I can never get rid of stress. You can never get rid of stress. You can never live a stress-free life, ever. I recognize that. So it's doing what you can, whether it's five minutes of breathing exercises, whether it's journaling, whether it's some meditation, whether it's a little bit of yoga, whether it's a bath at night, whether it's the supplements that you just commit to taking every day to help you with stress, um, whether it's taking holiday, you know, setting time apart, not being on your phone first thing in the morning, but it's the starts with the sleep at night. So I tell adults that when you were a child, you used to have a wind down routine, right? I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. You, you're, you would get up like your parents would read you, hopefully read you a book you would know it was getting time for bed. You would change into your pajamas. You would get into bed and then you would go to sleep. But as adults, we work and we work and we work or we do housework or we, you know, like we're trying to finish our day. We're on our phone, we're on our computer, we're on our laptops, uh, our tablets. And then we decide to go to bed. And adults need a wind down routine just as much as children do to ensure quality sleep. So that in the morning we feel refreshed and rejuvenated and ready to go and able to manage stress. So I tell women, just do the best you can. Just do the best you can. And at the very least, put yourself in the top three priority. Most women do not put themselves as a priority. They put their kids, then they put their work. They have a, they have a partner, they put their partner, they put the house, the dog. I don't think I say, well, they look at themselves. Yeah. <laughs> So I tell women, you have to put yourself up there as a priority most of the time. Mm. But what's interesting for you is that that's metabolized. So that's your total. Mm. Your free cortisol is actually on the, on the high end, right? It's on the high end. Mm. And that pattern, when your metabolized cortisol is lower and your free cortisol is higher, is actually a possible indicator that you have a thyroid problem. Whether a big thyroid problem, a little thyroid problem, that something's going on with your thyroid. Yeah. So, and remember what I said earlier, the thyroid and the cortisol, they talk to each other all the time. And so they influence each other. So if you have even a little thyroid problem, it will affect the way your body handles cortisol. Hmm. So talking about, because there are so many hormones and I uh, <laughs> um, I mean, what I knew about hormones, the first thing I knew was uh, estrogen dominance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I learned that it's good to measure your estrogen. Uh, mm-hmm. Why is that important? So estrogen gets a bad name because of estrogen dominance. Women associate estrogen with, well, that's what makes me gain weight. That's what makes me bloated. 
that's what gives me PMS or heavy periods or makes my endometriosis worse. Mm. And it's true when estrogen is out of balance, when it's too high, when it should be lower, then it causes things to grow and to dominate and it can cause pain. It can, uh, like the like cramps. And so we want estrogen to be high at certain points in our cycle, but not all the time. And as we get close to our period, we don't want it to be high in relation to our progesterone, which is the other big hormone. Progesterone is our very calming, very relaxing, helps you sleep type hormone. It's also very anti-PMS and it helps make our periods and cramps not so bad. But for a lot of women, it's the, they're flipped. Their estrogen's higher than their progesterone as they get close to their period and they get symptomatic. Now, the other big problem or risk is that that estrogen being too high, dominant, if it goes down the wrong detoxification pathway, it increases cancer risk. And we don't want that either. Mm. So it's, it's two reasons. It's the, it's the symptoms women have, and it's the future risk I want to be careful of. Mm. So let's say that you might find that uh, your uh, estrogen is going down the wrong pathway leading to DNA uh, problems. Damage. Yeah, mm -hmm. damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What can you do? What could you actually do about about this problem? Thankfully, so much. So much. So yeah. you have, yeah, oh, so much. So much lifestyle. So you have three phases for estrogen. So phase one and two are mostly in the liver. Phase three is in the gut. So I tell women and men, it's the same pathways, men and women, we start with the gut first because think of the gut is like this, like your sewer line out of your house, right? When you, when you, when you flush your toilet, you want it to go out of your house and let the city take care of it. It's the same yeah. thing in your gut, right? So we want to flush. We want to make sure that we're getting lots of fiber. We want to make sure that we're, you know, eating foods that help with our microbiome, our pre and our probiotics. We want to limit or uh, reduce alcohol. Alcohol really affects our gut. We want to be careful of uh, antibiotics. I, I'm not saying never. I'm just saying if you don't need an antibiotic, maybe don't take an antibiotic. If you know, it'll affect the microbiome. Be very careful of chemicals, plastic, what you use in your house, on your skincare, in your yard, in your hobbies. You know, if you're a painter, if you work on cars, all those chemicals affect your microbiome as you teach all the time. So that's the gut. Then we go up to the liver. Now we're looking at food. So now we're looking at what's called the brassica family, your broccoli, your kale, your cauliflower, your Brussels sprouts, all those foods have a component in them that ultimately become DIM, D-I-M. So DIM is what helps shift the pathway off the cancerous pathway onto the less cancerous pathway. Wow. So by eating those foods every day, and th there's even supplements for that, you can help redirect your estrogen. What, that's, and then other uh, nutrients such as magnesium and zinc and methionine and your, your B vitamins, B6 and B12, now help neutralize your estrogen. So you can divert it off the pathway and then you can actually neutralize it so that the gut can take it and get rid of it. Still remember alcohol affects your liver. If you're drinking wine every night and you have hormonal problems, bad PMS, 
heavy periods, moody, skin, hair. Be aware your alcohol goes through your liver and so does your estrogen. And the alcohol will win and the estrogen goes back and floats around again and causes problems. Mm. So there's definitely a lot of lifestyle things we can do. And then a lot of supplementation support we can add in as well. Mm. So talking about this, I was actually not high in estrogen, but in progesterone. You make um, what we call healthy levels of progesterone, robust levels of progesterone. So your progesterone is definitely on the, on the upper end this cycle, which is, which is great. Okay. So uh, you're an open natural production. Mm. And the third sex hormone is is testosterone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, here I actually got a question from, from one of our listeners when she heard I was going to talk to you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And she had, her question was, do you think that she's too high in testosterone due to the fact that ever since she was young, she has problem in her face with hair and, uh, and also a lot of anger and acne? <laughs> <laughs> the answer could be yes. The, yeah. the answer could be yes. So testosterone mm-hmm. actually converts into something that's way more potent way stronger. It's called DHT, 5-alpha DHT. DHT is made um, through a pathway that we call the 5-alpha reductase pathway. So you can have a lot of testosterone Mm -hmm. or you can have normal testosterone, but a lot of DHT. Either way, those symptoms that she's experiencing happen. Anger, irritation, the cystic acne on the jawline, the male pattern baldness in women. So they'll lose it at the temples. They'll get the lovely hair growth on their face that they don't want mm-hmm. or their neck or around their nipples or on their belly. So all of that can be worsened with excessive testosterone or too much DHT. Yeah. Now what increases that is can be genetics. Mm-hmm. If you look at your mom, if you look at your aunts, if you look at your sister, your grandma, like if all of them have it as well, if you're of a nationality that has a lot of hair, probably genetic. Mm. But for some women, it just starts. For some women, they'll say, all of a sudden, I have chin hair and I have, and I have acne down here. What is this? Inflammation is a big driver of this. Mm. High insulin is a big driver of this. So I make sure these women check their, their blood, their glucose, their blood sugar yeah, and check, check their insulin and see, and see if those are what's happening and then try to find inflammation. Is it gut inflammation? Is it infection? Is it food you're eating? Is it inflame inflammation due to stress? What's, what's going on? Hmm. You were talking about the estrogen uh, could leave the body different pathways. Like, yes. yeah. Is it the same with t- t- testosterone? Yeah. Yes. Different path- pathways, but yeah, different pathways than estrogen, but testosterone does have pathways. One pathway causes all those symptoms mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other pathway does not. <laughs> oh, so the, yeah. the actually thing is not the, it's the pathway that is causing the symptoms. Often. Yes. Most yeah. often. Now testosterone, um, when it, it, if you have high levels of testosterone in your body, mm. 
a different way to get acne is that all that testosterone binds to the receptors in your face and your, in your, um, and like a lock and key, it, it turns it. And when it turns it all of them at once, then you get acne and you get hair growth and you get hair loss and you get anger. So you can have two different reasons. You can have high testosterone or you can have high of the pathway Mm. that causes it. Or you can have both. Unfortunately, a lot of PCOS polycystic ovary, they often have both. Mm. So is there any way to change the shift from the unhealthy pathway Mm -hmm. to the more healthy, even here? Yep. Yep, Yeah, absolutely. So with, um, so first obviously find out why you're so inflamed, reduce the inflammation and work on blood sugar and insulin. Those are the lifestyle stuff that I have people do. Um, but there are supplements that can be helpful as well while you're trying to reduce this. So supplements such as zinc can be really helpful. Um, the reishi mushroom, which a lot of people are familiar with all the the mushrooms, right? The medicinal reishi is a good one. Mm. There is a men's health herb. It's called saw S A W saw palmetto. Mm. Um, we often associate it with prostate problems. Women can take it too. It can be very helpful for that pushing that pathway over to the less, the less acne pathway. Um, there's, um, another one it's called, it's not very common, but it's called Pygeum, P-Y-G-E-U-M, Pygeum. Um, another one is stinging nettle root. Lots of people are familiar with nettle for allergies. It's nettle leaf is a common diuretic, but the root is what helps with skin and hair and all those anger symptoms. And so, yes, there are supplements that can help shift the pathway while you're working on blood sugar, insulin, and inflammation. Now, I will say, once you have a dark hair, so once you get a, like a, a dark brown chin hair, it, it will always be that way because um, it's uh, your conv- your hair follicle converts mm. into the kind that instead of the soft soft uh, baby hair, the peach yeah. fuzz, right? Mm. The, once it turns dark, I can't turn it back. So you have to, you have to keep plucking, (laughs) waxing or get, get, you know, laser electrolysis on it. But I, what I try to do is prevent more hairs from forming. That's, that's what the supplements, um, help with preventing that or help, it helps clean up the acne and it helps the hair loss. It'll help the hair loss itself. But I will warn women right now, especially stress cortisol is a big cause of hair loss. Our hair follicles right themselves, our hair follicles have little stress systems in them. So the more stress we have, like right now, the more sensitive our hair follicles are and we can have hair loss um, or we can have sl- very slow growth. It'll, it'll push our hair into what's called a resting phase, so, which is different than testosterone. It's a stress reason. So stress is really a root to many evil things. I mean, uh, many things. Mm-hmm. Also, the insulin is affected mm-hmm. just by our stress level. So um, I yeah. guess if there anything we could do is uh, start meditating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do things that uh, do things that make you happy and that make you laugh and that bring down your stress. Mm. All those things are good. Hey. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> Now, in women, men are different, but in women, we make testosterone in two main places. We make it in our ovaries and we make it in our adrenals. We make it from two places. So as a woman, if we are struggling with our ovaries or if we are struggling with our adrenal glands, then we will struggle to make testosterone as well. Oh, And testosterone in times of stress is not a priority for a lot of women, right? It's not important. Um, so the body will, in times of stress, the body will uh, prioritize certain hormones over other ones. Mm. So cort- cortisol, you know, norepinephrine, epinephrine, adrenaline, very important. Testosterone, not so much in women. And so it can go down. I see it go down too in times of stress because it's not, it's not as important. But I mean, if, if you have this, like I have is, do you think it's something I should work on getting higher? Do you benefit yeah. from that? I think so. Yes. I am a big fan of women having healthy levels of testosterone. Testosterone is very important for our mood. Mm. It helps us build muscle, lean muscle. It's good for motivation. Um, it's, and it's also of course helpful for libido. Mm. What is D-H-E-I? <laughs> D-H-E-A. It is another, uh, it's an adrenal hormone. Oh, it's called it's D-H-E-A. Okay. A. D-H-E-A. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very long word and we just shorten it to D-H-E-A. So it's a, uh, it's an adrenal hormone. Um, unlike cortisol though, D-H-E-A is very protective against stress. DHEA is my favorite hormone because it's so brain protective against uh, damage or stress or um, uh, just anything happening. It helps increase brain power. There's something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, really helpful for brain cells. And so when I see an elevated DHEA like yours... Yeah, because um, mine is high. I'm very happy. Is Something is good. <laughs> so in your case, I I was actually thinking, uh-oh, your body is trying to protect you from something. It's trying to protect you probably from stress. And so it, it'll increase mm. the DHEA. In your case, it's called the S, D-H-E-A-S. S is the sulfated form. Mm. So your body is like ready to protect you. So I, when I see it high like yours, I don't worry. I, I mean, I, no, I don't try to, I don't rush to lower it. I, I want to figure out what else is going on. Mm. Yeah. Because it's doing its job in your case. Okay. But that is good. 
Yes, <laughs> yes. So going back to cortisol, I'm interested in the cortisone and cortisol balance. What yes. is this and why is it important? So cortisone is inactive. So it when so your body is smart, cortisol is active. So it can like a lock and key, cortisol can actually turn the key, you know, like open the lock. Mm. Whereas cortisone cannot. Cortisone is inactive. So when you have too much cortisol, with too much stress, too much damage, the body can inactivate it to cortisone to be like, calm down, chill out. Let's put you in a cortisone so you can't run around wild. Mm. And so it's nice to know both so I can see what your body is trying to tell you between the two of them. Even though I knew it, still getting the test results, I think it's it's a very good reminder that mm -hmm. it's not only enough to know you have a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, awareness, it's necessary, but then yeah. you also need to do something about it. And this is uh, what I feel the, the biggest gain I got from, from the test, you know? Okay, yeah. I have a chance to, uh, to actually do something because my mm -hmm body is uh, telling in all way it can that please <laughs> slow down. <laughs> yes. And what's great about your body now at 42 is that you have a lot of um, protection, right? You're, you're, you have a lot of DHEA, which I like. You have, your body is deactivating to cortisone to protect you. But what happens in five years or 10 years? Like you can't sustain that protection forever, eventually it will start to fail and you will potentially have worse symptoms or mm. develop disease or have a terrible menopause when mm. you get there way later. And so I don't want any of that for you. And so that's what I tell my patients. I like to show testing, just like you said, because you are, you're managing now, but I don't know how you're going to manage in another couple of years. And mm. I don't want you to fall apart. Mm. I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a few questions also on um, food, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you were mentioning uh, alcohol, that it's good to be careful with alcohol. What would you say about coffee? So I will be honest. I don't, I've never, ever, ever drank coffee. I never got into coffee. I drink green tea. That's what's in my cup mug currently. Um, but with coffee, coffee is interesting so coffee can work, has a, has an ingredient in it that can worsen breast pain. So when women get a lot of tender breasts, then yeah. coffee and chocolate are what I tell them to cut out. There's an ingredient in it that actually can worsen breast pain. But on the flip side, there is research to show that coffee actually helps estrogen go down the right pathway in detoxification. Oh, so all my wow. coffee drinkers love when I say this because they're like, see, I am helping my estrogen. <laughs> mm. For me, right that's not the case since I already have that. <laughs> but for everyone your, else. <laughs> yes. So if you have a lot of tender breasts, I tell people you have to cut out chocolate. I'm so sorry. Mm. And coffee. I'm addicted to chocolate. I am me too. Mm. <laughs> and it can make a big difference. Or you keep it in and you just you have breast pain. No, there, there are some ways around the breast pain a little bit. Um, so in broccoli, it, when you broccoli sprouts, so not a full grown broccoli, but the broccoli sprout has a different ingredient in it than the full grown broccoli. So the broccoli sprout itself has something called, well, it has two things in it. One is called glucoraphanin, 
And the enzyme is called morosinase. And when they come together, they form this really amazing, my favorite supplement in the whole world. It's called sulforaphane with an S. Mm. Sulforaphane. And a lot of companies now will have, um, you know, broccoli sprouts in powder or people will use broccoli sprouts in their smoothies. Sulforaphane can be really helpful for estrogen detoxification, but also for breast pain. I find it can be really helpful. So for those folks who say, I don't want to give up all my chocolate, I'll say, okay, let's do broccoli sprouts. Mm. (laughs) Magnesium can be very helpful and vitamin E can be very helpful for, for breast pain. Mm. as well. Now, if you don't, um, if you have, if it's serious, right, if it's serious breast pain, um, if it, if you feel a lump or a bump or anything like, you know, go, go to your doctor, don't just assume yeah. vitamin E is going to, you know, if, if, not, if this isn't working, if you decide to try this or you're, you're like, well, I, I have broccoli sprouts, I'll add those in, you know, take it serious, take, take your breast health seriously. But if it's just pain that comes around your period, then tro- broccoli sprouts, magnesium, vitamin E, those can be helpful. Mm. So one thing that has been discussed so much is soy when oh, it comes yeah. to women's health. So what <laughs> yeah. would you say? So I, I am a, I'm allergic to soy, so I'm very mm. biased. When I eat soy, I actually have an allergic reaction, so I, I don't do any soy. But what I will say is that if you eat soy, if you're going to eat soy, try to eat non GMO and try to eat fermented. So things like tempeh, um, miso, edamame. What I find that I think is the problem is that we think every, if soy is, if somebody said soy is good, it must be good in everything. So they make soy protein powder and soy milk and soy yogurt and soy bars and soy cookies and soy crackers and crisps and I think that's too much. And I think it's all modified and that's going to be a big problem. But if you say to me, I want sushi and I want to have the miso soup and eat the edamame, I'm like, do it. It's fine. Go for it. But Basically, it's me, the processed, uh, yes. processed soy you think that's yes. uh, having no benefits. Mm. Yeah. So if you, but if you were like, well, I drink soy protein powder every day with my soy milk (laughs) Mm. and I put soy in everything and I'm having all these problems, then I would say it's too much. Mm. So garlic and onion. Yes. You love it. Yes. Um, mm, sometimes it doesn't love me. (laughs) I love garlic and onions. And this is why I'm asking you. Yes. Normally great for detoxification, high in sulfur. So really great for the sulfur pathways to help, um, to help with that. Uh, some people though do struggle. They find that they eat garlic and onion, it upsets their stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they have, um, bro- broken sulfur pathways that it can be, the sulfur foods can be a problem for them. It can cause them to, um, ha- you know, gas and things like that upset stomach. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if you can handle them, I like them because they are really good for detoxification. Mm. So, and then my last question is regarding sugar, something we have too much of today. So what yes. would you say with the... I, I agree a hundred percent. Now, this is somebody who is loves dark chocolate. Mm. I'm addicted to dark chocolate, but I feel like that's more medicinal than sugar, especially when you get very dark chocolate. But yes, I would say that the the sugar addiction that most people have is very real and it is it actually is really affecting our all of our hormones sugar affects our obviously glucose and insulin which then affects our cortisol which can affect everything from there so um it's 
and, and it's, it's an addiction, you know, for a lot of people, you ask them to give it up and they, they really struggle or they get very sick when they give up sugar, you know, for whatever reason. And so I just tell people to be very, just be mindful of how much sugar you're eating. Cause it is, if you're struggling with hormonal stuff and you're struggling with weight and you're struggling with inflammation and you're struggling with moods because you swing from not hungry to hungry and you're just grabbing whatever as fast as you can, that's going to cause a problem. And so be very mindful of your sugar intake. Uh, I actually read that sugar has a link for yeast infection in the vagina also. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of, um, when I find yeast either in the gut, so when I find candida in the gut or women who have chronic yeast infections in the vagina, sugar is one of the big things I have them cut out. Mm. Yep. And, And they notice the difference, whether it's in the research or not. I have so many women over the years who say, wow, I really cut out sugar and a lot and my symptoms got so much better. My yeast routine yeast infections have gone away or gone way down. My GI gut symptoms are so much better. I hear that all the time. So time flies when you have fun. (laughs) I have a few questions though for the people who are listening. I thought that we could have a look, quick look at some of the most common problems and just for you to say what kind of imbalance these symptoms could could come from. Mm -hmm. So low libido and lack of sex drive. Yes. Funny. I actually have, um, a a webinar that I'm doing soon and it's 151 slides on sex drive. (laughs) So (laughs) yes, it's so sex drive can be many things. Sex drive can be many hormones, all the, in women, in women, especially, um, it can really, hormones can affect our sex drive. So everything from our estrogen progesterone balance to our testosterone our cortisol, um, our sex drive goes down. And when, when we're stressed out, it can, it can be a real problem. Um, everything, uh, as, as well is that our, our libido has what's called a, um, like a break and an accelerator. So women will say, I had a libido when I was in my twenties and now I don't have a libido. What changed? And maybe they're in their forties or their fifties. And I'll say, well, in your twenties, you didn't have kids probably. And you didn't have the responsibilities and the bills and the stress that you have now, now you have all the things and that can put a break on the libido for some women. Mm. And so it's working with trying to figure out what things turn you off in your life. Like do, do you see piles of dishes everywhere, you know, to seeing a messy house when you're, you know, when your kids are stressing you out, when you get stuff from work, like I know, I know we're talking about sex, but those things can make a woman just not in the mood. Mm. And then what turns you on? Meaning if you see your partner doing the dishes, if you come home to dinner being cooked, if you, um, have worked out that day and had exercise and had a good day, like if you've allowed yourself to take a bath, like what things would help make you more receptive to get you in the mood? And it's, 
because otherwise the break hits and women are like, I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's not necessarily complicated for women. There's no magic pill and it can be lots of things for, for libido. But I actually read that, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know where I read it, but I have a perception that women get a bigger sex drive with age. But so with, it depends, it depends what's going on in their life. Yes. So having yeah, okay. seen a lot of patients <laughs> in practice, but what happens actually in menopause is that you have a hormone that comes from your brain and it's called LH and LH is what makes the ovaries make testosterone. So what can happen is that your LH with women, it, um, it can really stimulate the cells that make testosterone and it gets thick. And so women will get this, um, surge of testosterone as they're close to menopause or in menopause for a while. And then eventually it goes down again. So I do have women that say I'm close to menopause and my sex drive came back. What happened? I'm like, well, because this hormone it's, is going to those cells and saying, make a hormone, make a hormone. And so it does, it makes testosterone. And so as a result, your sex drive goes up. Mm. And I have heard that and I've seen it. We test it and we'll see their testosterone has gone up. And then unfortunately though, it doesn't last forever. <laughs> it no. will go down, you know. <laughs> Too bad. Yes, yes. So dry skin and dry vagina. Dry skin is a big one. I Most common thing I think of for dry skin um, is a low thyroid hypothyroidism can cause dry skin, but I also think of nutrients like your oils, your omega threes. You have to be aware of cortisol. When you have a lot of stress, that can be very drying to the skin. Dry vagina is different. Dry vagina is generally estrogen related. So when you have low estrogen, then it often results in a dry vagina. Actually low estrogen dries everything out, dry eyes, dry mouth, dry joints. Mm. Women will have more joint pain, more aches and pains and dry mm. vagina. Mm -hmm. mm. Difficulties to sleep well? Cortisol is the big reason, definitely the big reason. So we want cortisol low at night and melatonin high at night. And so if you are the reverse, if you're stressed at night, if you're working at night, if you're up late at night, then it, cortisol will often stop you from being able to fall asleep or stay asleep. Gaining weight, even oh, though oh. your exercise <laughs> and diet hasn't changed. Yes. All the things with, it depends on the age. So as women get into perimenopause, the body will often add extra weight because you can make estrogen and fat tissue. The very poor design. I hate it, but it's very common as women get into menopause to preserve estrogen, we, but we don't need it. But there are other reasons. Cortisol increases fat cells, low thyroid, hypothyroidism increases fat cells, glucose and insulin problems increases fat cells as well. And so we have to, we have to look at lots of hormones. There's a hormone called leptin that the fat cells make themselves. We look at leptin. There's a lot of things for weight. Mm. But when women tell me I haven't changed it, I've changed nothing. I didn't change a thing. I definitely check hormones because I know something is shifting and being stubborn. Mm. Fatigue and low energy. Yeah, that could be all of the hormones, all of the hormones. Cortisol is a big one we think of. When you don't have a lot of cortisol, then fatigue, but low thyroid. Again, blood sugar, glucose, insulin problems, low testosterone, low DHEA can cause a lot of fatigue. You have um, in your cell, you have mitochondria. We learned all learned about mitochondria in science and school. Mitochondria are what make our energy. So if we have poor functioning mitochondria, then we have a problem with energy. 
brain hormones can affect fatigue. If we have low dopamine, low serotonin, low acetylcholine, all these brain hormones that can affect fatigue as well. There's also a difference between mental fatigue and physical fatigue. So people will say, I'm so tired. And I'll say, well, can you, do you want to go for a hike? Do you want to go for a walk? Could you do that? And they'll go, oh yeah, that's not a problem. Hmm. And I know it's mental fatigue, but I'll say, can you drive long distances? Can you focus a long time? Can you read a book? I'll go, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. By the end of the day, I'm looking at the computer screen all day. I'm so tired. Mental fatigue. Okay. It's different. Hmm. Hmm. So thank you so much, Carrie. Is there anything I've missed? I guess it's so many questions that I, uh, I have missed when I look into my uh, notes, but uh, is there anything you think of that I, uh, that you want to add? I think we covered so much. I love it. I will say the number one, um, I'd say thing that I prescribe or recommend or use the most for men and women for everything is, uh, our sleep wake cycle. And by, by that, I mean, as humans, we should get up with the light and go in, start to go down with the dark. And so when you get up in the morning, get exposure to the sunlight, open up your curtains and blinds, get that full spectrum light exposure in. That's how our body sets its rhythm for the day. Mm. And at night we want the darkness. The darkness is what helps increase melatonin, decreases cortisol, and helps us with our sleep. So you want to make sure your bedroom is dark. Use a sleep mask if you need to. Cover up lights. Turn off night lights. That all affects how we sleep at night. And so, and it's free and easy. Use the light and use the dark. Yeah, that is good. There's so many things you can do that's actually for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Carrie. I was so happy to have this chat with you. Thank you. You have listened to the Food Pharmacy Show with Lina Nertby and Mia Klase, joined by special guest Dr. Carrie Jones. The podcast is edited by me, Sebastian Ring, and I've also composed all the music. For more food pharmacy content, visit foodpharmacyco.com and follow us on Instagram, food underscore pharmacy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.